Hallelujah. Praise God. Instead of saying, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, let the free in the Lord say so. Hallelujah. Because redemption makes us free. Amen. Amen. You may have come in here tonight or maybe uh, this week there's been a weight on you, a burden on you. And it's just been like the devil is just trying to steal your joy and hold you back and cause you a, a wreck in life. Well, I'm here to say God's ways are higher than the devil's ways. God's ways are stronger and better. And you're partnering here. We're being reminded that, man, we just come and partner with the Lord and do it God's way. And God's spirit will be in us and flowing through us and get us on track. I pray that each and every one of us will do what the Apostle Paul encouraged us to do, finish well, that we would finish well. Man, what an exciting day it is as the sun set tonight. Uh, we were coming in on the close of the last of the fall feast as uh, we had the fall feast initiated with Rosh Hashanah, as we had the Feast of Trumpets and the celebration and the reminder that the rapture is going to take place and that God is going to call us uh, to meet Jesus Christ in the air. Hallelujah. That that is still yet to take place. And, and then following that, we moved into Yom Kippur and the Day of Atonement and how we uh, came and celebrated the goodness of God and He's provided to atone for all of our sins, all of our wickedness, all of our evil can be brought to him and his blood covers and cleanses and removes even the stain that was caused through our era. Praise God for his atonement. And then for a whole week we went into from last Wednesday sunset to tonight uh, with a Feast of Tabernacles of Sukkot and uh, as we've been celebrating that God is coming back, Jesus is going to uh, set up his kingdom, Messianic age here. There will be a thousand years of peace where he rules and reigns here and we will come and rule and reign with him, the Bible says. So how exciting it is to be a part of the whole plan of God and until all of this is fulfilled, God has these feasts to remind us that this is yet to come. This is yet to take place and until then, we are are to occupy until he comes. That's what he said, occupy. And that word occupy means go about doing the business, your business that the Lord has called you to. Did you know every one of us has been called to a business? And every one of us has an anointing for a certain area of business. Anybody in here identified your anointing? You know your anointing is in food or your anointing is in service or your anointing is in inventions or your anointing is in production or your anointing. Anybody, has anybody in here identified your anointing? I didn't say where you're at is where you're going to remain. I just said you've identified your anointing. Your anointing is going to make room for you. Hallelujah. And that's what God has created. Every one of us here with purpose and destiny has a plan for you. And if you're out of that plan, if you're out of sync with what God has for you, you, you it opens the door for a lot of miserable things in our lives. And Satan's always looking to kill, steal, and destroy, but Jesus is always looking to bring us life more abundant. Praise the Lord for that. So here as we come to the conclusion of the fall feast uh, at sunset tonight, I think it's time for a pop quiz. So we're going to give you all a pop quiz tonight. Or, and anybody uh, like getting pop quizzes when you were in school? Nope. <laughs> well, this, was not, this isn't one that you can fail. Uh, as far as I, this is between you and the Lord. But we're going to look at doing a pop quiz on how I'm doing spiritually because we've got less than 12 weeks left in 2017. Did you know that? There's less than, it's like 11 and a half weeks and we'll be in 2018. So things are winding down and 
uh, resolutions have been made this year and you've made promises to the Lord and there's things that uh, you had hoped would get better and, and you probably have felt a stirring of God as things are wrapping up this year. There's a stirring of the Lord and, and I'm glad you're here uh, as you're responding to the move of God as God wants to get you in position so that you can just go to the next level as we continue to move through this week and through this, these months and into 2018. So uh, I want you to rate yourself on five key factors or indicators uh, of spiritual maturity and spiritual growth. And that's what we want to look at, five steps to spiritual maturity or, or, uh, here tonight. And, and our text that we're going to look at is first, or 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5. And he says here, examine yourself. Now, okay, I want you to see that. It, didn't it say examine yourself? Yes. So let, leave your spouse alone. <laughs> leave your buddy alone. Leave your, your, your friend alone, okay? Examine yourself. I could preach a sermon right here. If we would tend more to that scripture right there and examine ourselves rather than examine and give our two cents worth and pass judgment on everybody else, we would be a whole lot better off, right? Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. You need to look closely. Are you just going through the motions? Are you just passing on, carrying on a, a culture that was passed on to you? Or are you in the faith? Are you in that relationship by faith with Jesus Christ and growing in that relationship? So test yourselves, he says. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. So we need to examine ourselves and see, is Christ Jesus really in us? And are we truly in covenant by faith with him? We need to examine ourselves. I love the way the Amplified amplifies that, the Amplified Bible. It says, examine and test and evaluate your own selves to see whether you are holding to your faith and showing the proper fruits of it. Amen. Man, we could preach a sermon on that, right? There's a lot of people say they're a Christian, but is there a, the fruit? Is the fruit of that relationship truly manifesting off of your life? So test and prove yourselves, not Christ. Do you not know yourselves and realize and know thoroughly by an ever-increasing experience that Jesus Christ is in you? And I underline that ever-increasing experience. You need to be growing in the Lord. You don't need to remain where you were when you first came to know Him. There is an ever-increasing experience that we can have with Christ Jesus in us unless you are counterfeits. Now, I'm not judging you. You're to test yourself. And you're to see whether or not you're a counterfeit, disapproved on trial and rejected. Wow. God wants you to have an ever-increasing experience with Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, if you're not experiencing or having this ever-increasing experience with Jesus, you will get distracted. The enemy will whisper, and in your boredom, you will listen, and he will get you off track. 
But I'm here to tell you from someone who's been serving the Lord since he was 17 and is now 52 that this word right here is true. That there is an ever-increasing experience with Jesus Christ. And there is an ever-increasing experience with His Word. And there is an ever-increasing experience with His Holy Spirit. And there's an ever-increasing increasing depth that we find in the relationship with our Heavenly Father. He, you cannot exhaust Him. You cannot reach the height of Him. You cannot reach the depth of Him or the width of Him. I've been studying this Word and I've had this relationship with Him since I was a teenager. And He gets bigger and He gets better and He gets smarter and He gets stronger and He gets wiser and He gets... Oh my, He is amazing! He is absolutely amazing! So I want to challenge you from the Word of God. That you too, God wants you too to have an ever-increasing experience with Jesus Christ. Praise God. So we're not just wanting to be gliding along in our faith. That is a dangerous place to be. Because the truth is, if you're gliding, you're in the decline. You're in the decline. Because when it comes to faith, you're either gaining altitude in the faith or you're losing altitude in your faith. And as your pastor, I want to be a, a part of what God uses to help you continue to gain altitude because the Bible wants us to grow up because he wants us to eventually to go up. Hallelujah. So how many of you in here today could join me in waving your hands saying, I still got some growing up to do in the Lord. I still got some growing up to do in the Lord. Okay. See, there's no correlation between how long you've been a Christian and how mature you are. There's no correlation. I've met some very mature Christians who have only been Christians several years, very mature in the faith. And at the same time, I've met some of the meanest people I've ever met that said they were Christians, and they said they've been serving the Lord for 30 years. I hope you've never met them like I did, but there are some of them out there. There's no correlation between your physical age and your spiritual age. So I hope you'll take this test tonight honestly. Be open just between you and God. This is a pop test, but God and you are the only ones going to see the ratings here. And I want you to just be honest. Because our spirituality affects every other area of our life. If you go down spiritually, it is going to affect every, every area of your life. Physically, mentally, spiritually, your social, relationally, Every area of your life is affected by your spirituality and where you are. So, so you can write this down if you're taking notes or you can memorize it if you can. I must take responsibility for my spiritual growth. I can't blame preacher. I can't blame the teacher. I can't blame the deacon. I can't blame the elder. I can't blame an apostle. I can't blame a prophet. I can't blame an evangelist. I can't blame a missionary. I can't blame uh, the Sunday school teacher. I can't blame anybody. I have to take responsibility for my spiritual growth. Because the day you stand before the Lord, none of those other people are going to be there with you. It will be you and the Lord. So you can't blame anybody else. You can't blame your parents. I know that's an easy out, but I'm telling you, you can't blame your parents and you can't blame your church. You have that responsibility because in life, there are some things that you just can't delegate, right? 
You, you, you can't delegate getting a haircut. Okay, Lamar, I want you to go down and get a haircut for me. That's just not going to work, you know. I can't delegate that because he would end up with the benefit of the haircut, not me. You can't delegate somebody going and eating at Captain George's for you and causing that to you and to enjoy. You want, oh, you want to delegate now? Ah, I see. Okay. Because if you're going to get the benefit of eating there, you got to go there yourself. In the same way, you can't delegate spiritual growth. So, so let's be authentic and open between us and the Lord. And let's ask God to show us where it, the areas He wants us to grow in as we look at these five steps of spiritual maturity. The first one is, the first step is Bible study. Bible study. Now I will go right ahead and commend you tonight. You're in the house of God on a night where we declared this is Bible study. And, and so you're doing a good thing. So you can go ahead and give yourself a big pat on the back. This is already going to cause you to get a good grade. Uh, and I'm not grading on the curve. You're here. You didn't delegate it. You're here. But all maturity starts with Bible study. I know we're in the 21st century and it may not seem cool, but let me tell you what. They're, cool doesn't know what cool is until you get into the very mind and the heart and the breath of the God who created us and who's going to hopefully bring some cool weather here soon as, the, as we're in this fall season. Amen. You cannot become spiritually mature until you start living out the principles and the practices of the Word of God. It'll never happen. It, you, the only way is through the Word of God. There is a direct correlation between the application of God's word and your spiritual maturity. Did you hear what I said? There's a direct correlation between the application of God's word. What does that mean? That means you learning the word and putting it to practice. You doing the word. There's a direct correlation between that and your spiritual maturity. If you don't apply God's word in your life and you're not living it out, you're never going to mature. You'll be one of those people that say, I'm a Christian and I've been a Christian for 30 years, but you're still the meanest and you still have cut corners and you still have fudge on your words and you still act out in a way that is a stumbling block before young Christians and you, because you're still immature because you've not applied the Word of God. So here come, here's some pop quiz questions for you. Where's your Bible? Where's your Bible? Okay. Amen. Amen. Right here. Praise God. Next question, have you been using it? Not just as a prop, that here's my Bible, look how spiritual I am. You know, are, have you been using your Bible? Okay. Do you use it daily is the next question. Now the question, when is the last time you lived out what God taught from the Bible? And it maybe have caused you a little pain to fudge a little and call it a white lie, which a white lie is a lie. Come on now. And the Bible says in Revelation 21, 8, what? All liars are friars. That's what it says, in short, that all liars will be cast into the lake of fire. So all liars are friars. So a white lie, green lie, orange lie, long lie, short lie, you know, they're all lies. And now lie is a lie. And let me tell you what, sometimes it's e it seems to be easier to tell a lie to get through a situation, right, than it is to tell the truth. And that's where you have to apply the Word of God. Now, you need to tell the truth in love, 
So it may be that you need to, in telling the truth, make sure that it is told in love so that it, it is not as damaging as the enemy would want it to be. But you've got to apply the Word of God. Here's a question. Is Bible study a habit or more like an exception in your life? Is Bible study something you do? It's a habit or it's something that happens every now and then? Maybe a Wednesday night every now and then that you pop in. I don't know. So here's the big, big idea on Bible study. It's not how much you know about the Bible that determines your maturity. It's how much you apply it. That's the big idea. I would rather you read one verse a day and apply that to your life than for you to read 30 chapters a day, then put down your Bible and go about life as normal without application, without living out the Scripture. Half of a verse of Scripture lived out is better than half of the Bible memorized and not lived out. Amen? It can be argued that you only believe the parts of the Bible you obey. Whoa, how much of the Bible do you believe? Because disobedience in the Bible is a huge problem. It's actually dangerous to live in dis disobedience to God's Word. The Bible tells us that all evil entered man through disobedience to God's Word. So Satan is ready to pounce in and bring as much heartache as he can in your life if he can find an open door of disobedience to God's Word in our lives. Wow. So even today, you will experience unneeded headache. I'm telling you, unneeded failure, unneeded pain, unneeded regrets, all because you failed to obey the Word of God. And God has given us His Word to keep us from that. He wants you to have a blessed life. Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. Okay? So the reality is you will never obey God's Word until you spend time in God's Word. So we must discipline ourselves to stay in God's word. So go ahead and rate yourself, okay? Here you rate yourself one to 10. One being not so much, 10 being wide open. Am I actively or am I actively daily uh, studying God's word? Am I actively and participating in the study of God's word every day? Every day, that's the key. So here we're entering the fourth quarter of 2017. Go ahead and rate yourself zero, uh, 1 to 10. Where are you at in studying God's Word? You don't have to tell me. It's just between you and the Lord. But it's to, to, to examine ourselves, like God's Word said. So you got it? I want to ask you your number, but I'm not. I'm not. I just, the teacher wants to know what you're writing on your paper, but this is one I can't take up these test papers. It's like God said, it's between them and me. I said, yes, Lord, you're the great teacher. So obedience, so I'm obeying the Lord. So keep the number to yourself. The second thing that we need to do is a step of spiritual maturity, and that is prayer. Prayer is so very important. So I ask you tonight, how is your prayer life? Because Bible study is how God speaks to us. And prayer is how we speak to God. Come on now. They go hand in hand. We don't want a one-sided relationship. So as we study God's Word, He's speaking to us through His Word. He's speaking to us by His Spirit. But then when we talk back to Him and we communicate with God in our prayer time. See, I've never met a spiritually mature person who didn't have a daily, active, growing, and deepening prayer life with God. 
It will hinder your spiritual maturity if you're not purposely taking time to communicate and pray daily. Jesus tells us to go inside our closet and spend time with our Father. He, He commands us to do that because it's that important. See, see, trouble and perplexity, they drive us to prayer, and then prayer drives away perplexity and trouble. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of things you're carrying and you're dealing with which you don't have to. In prayer, you could turn it over to the Lord and cast that care upon the Lord, and He would talk to you and give you wisdom and ways of around this thing or through this thing or rise up in the power and the strength that you have, and you would not have to live with this cloud over your head. Come on now. Because in our prayer time, we're talking to God. Yes, that's true. But, but it could be thinking in the presence of God could be prayer. See, a lot of times we think it's all about saying something, but meditation is so important in the Word of God. He tells us to meditate on His Word day and night, and, there, and we will have good success. Isn't that what He t- tells Joshua? Meditate on my Word day and night, and you go into this promised land, you're going to have good success. So meditation is not just talking, it is talking, to our, uh, talking out loud to God, but it's also self-talk. It, it's talking to yourself or thinking. And, and when we come into our prayer closet, you can think about yourself, of, and how's your relationship with God? Lord, I'm meditating, I'm thinking about my relationship with you, Lord God, and I think about what you have done for me and how good you are and and how holy you are and how wonderful you are and how you deserve the glory and you deserve the honor. And I'm just thinking about, Lord, here am I. You are allowing me in your presence. And man, it just does something as, as I'm meditating on the privilege that I have even to come before the Lord in prayer. So when you meditate in your time of prayer with the Lord, think about the fruit of the Spirit. Now, the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And if this is the fruit of the Spirit, is this the fruit of my life? And if this is not the fruit of my life, if my life, the fruit of my life, that which naturally is the natural outcome of my life is not love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and and self-control, then I'm doing something to quench the Spirit of God. Because the Holy Spirit, this is the fruit of the Spirit, so if I'm allowing Him to grow through me and show through me, then that's the fruit that will be in my life. And I need to meditate and I need to think on that. Am I being as loving as as God would want me to be? Am I living with joy in my life? Or am I always the the, the dark cloud? Am I always the negative voice? Am I always the the one picking a fight or finding judgment or something like that? Or am I living in peace where there's shalom? Or or am I the one that wants to stay engaged in, in, in conflict and battle? It's kindness. Am I a kind person? Or am I a person, I want everybody to be kind to me, but I'm not going to be kind to them. And goodness and faithfulness and self-control, patience, is it, am I a patient person? And some people say, you shouldn't pray for patience. I, I don't know why. It's, why wouldn't you? It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's like praying against the fruit of, the, of God in you. And patience is definitely what God produces. It's not what you can produce. It's what God wants to produce through you. So am I yielded to God? Am I yielded to His Spirit? 
So this is stuff you can come in your prayer closet and, and, and meditate on and think on and ask God and ask Him, show me, is there an area I need to open up? Is there an area I need to make myself uh, more uh, uh, obedient, Lord? Show me. And believe you me, He will. He will. Philippians 4 and 6 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Don't be anxious for anything. Don't let anxiousness come into your relationships. Don't let anxiousness come into your career. Don't let anxiousness come into your finances. Don't let anxiousness come into your health. He says, he says be anxious for nothing. Don't let the devil get you off course here. And he says, and how we do that is in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, we let our requests be made known to God. The devil dumps stuff on us. God says, bring it to me. Don't you carry it. Bring it to me. I'll show you out a way out. I'll show you a way through. I'll show you how to handle it. He says, you've got to come to me. And I am the God of peace, the God which surpasses all understanding. You can't figure it out, but I can figure it out. And I will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, he tells us to do. See, it's hard to pray and worry at the same time. It's hard to pray and worry at the same time. But if your prayer life goes down, then your worries go up. Come on now. But if your prayers go up, your worries are going to go down. There's somebody here tonight, you're carrying like three generations of worries. You're carrying, un, this is unmerited, it is unfair, it is ungodly, it is a trick of the devil. He is trying to crush you with the weight of anxiety. He is trying to crush you. And while he's crushing you, he is condemning you and he's blaming you. And you feel like you can hardly breathe. I'm speaking to somebody here tonight. You feel like I can barely breathe. I can barely put one foot in front of the other. I can barely make it. And the devil says the only way you can even cope with this is self-medicate. And you're tempted to go to things and go to other things to self-medicate, but it only makes it worse. And when you come out of that, there's even more added to you of anxiety. But I'm here to tell you, it's hard to pray and worry at the same time. God says, I've got what you need. And that's a relationship with me. Draw close to me. Talk to me. I'll show you how to throw this stuff aside. I'll show you how to come out from under it. I'll show you how to rise up in victory. I'll show you how to get your joy back, says the Spirit of the Lord. So ask yourself, how am I doing in my prayer life? Am I consistent in talking to God and praising God through prayer? Rate yourself. You're not very good, number one. I didn't put a zero on there because I know all of us, even when we stump our toe, we'll call out to God. Okay. We, you know, somebody runs a red light and we're about to have a crash. We'll call out to God. So I didn't put a zero there because I know us. But where are you at in your prayer life? There's another thing very, very important in our spiritual maturity, and that is corporate worship. Again, I give you applause tonight, and I commend you for being here because God said, forsake not the gathering together of the saints, because not because uh, that, that it's really in any sense going to change you in every way. You can miss a service, and you're not going to lose your ears. You can miss a service and not go blind, okay? 
I know uh, those kids when we were growing up and we were in a very, there was a very strict church and they told us that, you know, they'd tell us horror stories if we missed church. That's a bad, that's a bad thing. We don't want to tell people that, okay? You can survive without, without going to church. But let me tell you what, God said, what I love and blesses my heart. This is God talking. He says, it blesses my heart. Can you imagine you're giving God something that blesses him? This is something that just is a treasure to him. He says, that's when my sons and daughters come together in unity. When they come together in unity, he says, I can't help but pour the oil out. I can't help but release the anointing. I can, and it'll go from the head to the toe. It'll touch everything. He said, because that is where I command the blessing. God is so blessed when we come together in unity to worship him that he says, that's where I'm going to command the blessing. So you're here tonight, you can go ahead and receive the command of God, be blessed. He's saying to you right now, be blessed. You are blessing me by being here corporately in your corporate worship. He says, I love it when you gather together, forsake not the assembling together of the saints. He says, come together, he says, sing songs unto me and worship me and, and lift your hands and clap your hands and dance. And he said, let everything that had breath come and praise the Lord. Use the instruments to praise the Lord. He said, this blesses me so much that I command the blessing when they come together. Hallelujah. Praise God. So when we come together corporately as the body of Christ, the family of God, like what we're doing right now, let me tell you, we come and we pray together and we sing together and we study together as God has called us. Let me tell you what, we, 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 get, we get the things in the right order. So there's some folks that need a Galileo revolution, if I could say it that way. Do you remember who Galileo was from your history books? In his time, they thought that the earth was what? The center of the universe. And everything else revolved around the earth. They thought the sun revolved around the earth. But not him. I mean, here he is a physicist and a mathematician and an astronomer and, and a philosopher. And he says the exact opposite. He said, no, the sun is the center of the universe and it remains steady. And the earth and everything else revolves around the sun. They considered him a heretic in his day. But eventually he won out because truth always wins out. And in the same way, a lot of people have the wrong idea about worship. They think that it revolves around them. They think that they are the center of worship. Now, now, I know we go, mm, because it's not that we're thinking somebody else. We're saying, you know what? I've been guilty of that. We, we, we come to worship, and, and God, we think, revolves around our needs. It, it revolves around our emotion. It revolves around what we're going through right now. That God's supposed to meet our needs, and God's supposed to give to us, and God's supposed to, to meet our desires. And, 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 and they come in, we come in this tendency, what am I going to get from God? today in worship but we must note we're talking about spiritual maturity here that's how those infants in Christ would be but when you grow up and mature you realize that we are not the center of worship because when we are the center of worship we walk away empty have you ever walked in a worship service spent an hour hour and a half two hours and left and felt empty felt like you got nothing you didn't, there's nothing, it was just like almost wasted time. 
Guess what? You were the center of worship. You were not created to be worshiped. God is to be worshiped. So when we put ourselves as the center, let me tell you, if I know, you know, you know, and you think about it, think about it. The, the most precious person to you on planet Earth and, and you have an opportunity to give them something that's going to bless them, that's going to make tears run out of their eyes. Yeah, I mean, you, you admire this person. You, you've looked up to this person. This person's helped you so much in life. And you finally found out that they have this secret desire that they want this particular gift. You found it out. A little bird told you. And you were able to go find it. It's a unique gift. It's unlike anything else they ever have. You were able to purchase it. Maybe it cost you a lot of money. And you take it. And now you've, you've wrapped it up and you just can't wait you can't wait for them to open it when you give it to them and the emotion that they feel and the joy that they feel and the excitement that they go through when they open it up you may not feel that same excitement because you're not the recipient but there is an amazing amazing reward to you because you know you're uh, ascribing to them what they so desire that's why we give gifts like that well here God says that this, when we come together and we lift up our hands and we dance before Him and we bring the flags before Him and we shout before Him and we lift up hands and clap hands and sing songs together corporately, He says, that's what it's like. He says, I am so blessed by that that I can't help but spill over and call this a place that I command the blessing from the head to the feet. So when we come in worship with that mindset, we can't leave empty. Because we know we just brought to the creator of the universe, the one that gives us the very breath in our lungs, we've just brought to him something that he loves so much. Hallelujah. So that's why we come ascribing honor and power and majesty and glory to him. See, some, some, we get away from this thing, what can I get from God? But rather, what can I give to God? God loves it when men worship him. And God loves it when women worship Him. And God loves it when teenagers worship Him. And God loves it when children worship Him. But He says, look at the children. He said, you can learn so much from them. And then we can learn how they come with such joy in their worship. He says, because we adults have a tendency to, to get off track with that. I pray that we would say, I'm growing up. And I'm going to the next level. And when I have an opportunity to come corporately and bless my heavenly Father and lift up His Son, my Savior Jesus Christ, and worship in the power of the Spirit of God, I'm, whether I feel like it or not, it's not about my feelings. It's not about whether I like this song. It's not whether I like the tempo. It's not whether I like this style. It's none of that. God loves all the styles. God loves all the songs that, that are proper in truth. There are some that, that, that are mixed up with their theology. And I know the Lord says, oh my, don't sing that to me. That's, that's a little off kilter here. Uh, so we got to be careful with the words that we sing to him. But he loves it when we sing truth and ascribe honor and glory and praise to him. Praise God. So if you come to worship with the idea of what can I give, you're going to walk away full every time. You'll walk away deeper in your relationship with Him. Because as you're giving it to Him, He can't help it, He says, but He's going to command a blessing on you. 
You didn't come to worship him for the blessing. But he says, my nature is this. When you honor me and touch me and bless me this way, I can't help it. I'm sending oil from the head through the beard down to the very feet. I'm going to command a blessing, an anointing that's going to lift burdens and destroy yokes. I'm going to see it that you leave here free and that you leave here blessed, full of joy. He said, I can't help it. It's what I do. Hallelujah. Praise God. I love what God is doing. I love his heart. I love it. Praise God. And we can worship him in here corporately. But, you know, there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that goes on for worship to take place. And God sees that, whereas you may not see that. We have men and women behind cameras and they're up in this uh, AV room, and you never see their faces or hear from them, but they've been here before the service, and they'll be here after the service, and they're put together this, and they're learning how to move this lever and, 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 and hit this button and, and cause everything that's happening in here to happen as flawless as possible, and the sound to work and everything. Let me tell you what, all of that is a part of the corporate worship, and I know that God is honored and blessed by it. So your step may be, maybe there's something in you that can be trained to be a part of the behind the scenes. But let me tell you what, it's not all about behind the scenes because we also need to be here in these pews or in these seats and around this altar. I'd like to see our worship more fluid. I really would. That we are maturing to the place where if God likes a dance, we can dance. And if God says, walk before me and, and lift up your hands, that we could walk before him. That, that if God says, shout, that we could shout. And God says, you can praise me with, with the, the uh, lifted hands and the clapping of the hands, that we would lift our hands and clap our hands. That we would just become fluid. Because it's not about a show. It's not about my, my neighbor. It's not about, this is about him. And I believe if we could come in here with that mindset that everything we're doing is here about Him and that He loves this, that, 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 that you know, maybe, maybe we do need a couple of sticks in the mud. You know, every fence has some posts that are, you know, that are stiff. Maybe we need some of those. I don't know. But if you're worshiping God being stiff as a post, when praise God, ascribe glory and honor to Him from your stiffness. But I, I, I believe we also need some fluidity. Because the Spirit is hovering and the Spirit is like the bird. The Spirit is like the wind blowing. The Spirit is like fire and all the fire, the wind, all the birds. They all have movement to it. And I'm just calling for our church to, to rise up to the next level of worship. Where we say, God, I'm coming in here. This is about you. And I'm talking about strong men, young men, strong men, older men, strong women, young and old. I mean, us coming together and saying, this is about you, God. You're the one that's given me breath in my lungs. You're the one giving me the strength in my feet. You're the one that's given me the ability to see with my eyes and hear with my ears. And you've given me ability. I go to sleep. I don't know how I do it, but I wake up the next morning. I didn't die in the night. I didn't keep my heart going. You kept it going. I didn't keep my breathing going. You kept it going. But God, I just, I just, if you want me to corporately ascribe glory and honor and praise to you with a shout and a lifted hand and a clapping of a hand and a dance and a jump and a shout, and the blowing of a shofar and the playing of the instruments and the stringed instruments and the cymbals and the loud repeating cymbals. Lord, if that's what you want, that's what you're going to get. 
at Christian Embassy. Amen. Ephesians 5.18 says, Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear reverence of God. So it's time to evaluate yourself. Mark it. Am I here faithfully and fully engaging in all times of worship? with an attitude of what can I give you, God, not what I can get from you. Rate yourself. Go ahead and rate yourself. Go ahead and put my... There we go. Where are you at? One, five, nine. How many of you commit to ten? I like to commit to ten. I like to commit to ten. Hold myself accountable to that. And when I fall short of that, say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm going to get back up. That was only an eight. I, Lord, forgive me because I want to give you a ten. God gives me a 10. He never, there's not a shadow of turning with him. He never forsakes me, never leaves me. He never curses me. He always blesses me. Come on, somebody. He's a good, good God. And he's worthy to be praised all the time. Praise God. So go ahead and rate yourself. I'm going to rate myself where I am, but I'm going to set the mark at 10. And then the fourth thing in spiritual maturity is generous giving. Generous giving. This is the area as your pastor. I can congratulate you here at Christian Embassy because you guys, you are, you are amazing. You are faithful in supporting the work of God here. And you've been doing it for 25 years. And, and you, you faithfully support what we do here in the city and what we do in our region and what we do in this nation and what we do around the world. You're faithful. You're amazing. And I want to thank every one of you who has honored God with, with, the, with his work here. You've honored him by your generous giving. I just want to say thank you. you. I know you didn't give it to me, but I want to be a voice of God to say that I know the heart of God is so blessed in all that we've been able to do that he's commanded us to do and that he's called us to step out in faith. And every time we have, you guys have come and said, God, if you said it, we're going to do it. And I, I just want to say thank you. And knowing that giving is God's nature, right? Because in the very beginning, God so loved us that he gave his only begotten son, right? He so loved us that he gave. That's who he is. That's his nature. And when we give, it connects us with his divine nature that we were created to have. That's why he loves a cheerful giver because a cheerful giver truly understands what I'm doing is not to get from God, it's not to, to buy favor from God, but I am connecting with the very divine nature of God and being a son or a daughter of God, it feels good. It's, it's like the homecoming, it's like the family reunion, it's like this is my daddy, this is his heart. And look, it's flowing through my heart and through my hands. Praise God. See, when we give, it activates the, the principle of divine reciprocity that God has set up. So a lot of people get off kilter and they think, well, I'm going to work this like it's some financial investment scheme where uh, this law of reciprocity, if I give, it shall be given back, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. So, so I'm, going to, I'm going to get in here from, the, from that angle of kind of a worldly investment. And when you do that, the heart is not right because it's not a money-making scheme. But get this. 
Just like God says, I love it when you come together corporately and worship me and it blesses me so much that I'm going to command the blessing upon the unity there and the anointing. Just the same, he says, when you come with a cheerful heart, meaning that you're giving, this isn't to buy my way with you, God. This isn't to get any attention from you, God. I'm just going to give because I know your heart is to give and, you, and my heart's connected to your heart. So I'm going to bring it to you and just honor you and you take it and you multiply it and you advance your kingdom, Lord God. I just want to be a part of what you're doing. God says, there's a law of reciprocity I set up that it's coming back to you, good measure, shaking together, running over. He, and and, and, and we, we, so it's not something that we try to work it because do you think God knows our heart? Yes, he does. So we got to learn to mature. And we're not giving to get, we're giving to bless the Lord and to bless his work. And he really doesn't need our money, but he gives us this test of our maturity to see how much more he can trust us with. Because he says, if you're faithful in the small, then I can trust you with bigger and better and more. So I've got to give you a test. He even tells us it's a test. Does he not? So to make your next step in the wrap-up of 2017 in preparation for 2018, I ask every one of you to join with us in a tithe challenge. That for the next two and a half months as we wrap up this year, that we're going to honor God with the whole tithe, but not to buy anything, not to make an investment in a sense of, of the secular realm, but that I'm honoring you, God, as an act of worship. This is my worship to you. You, you said that this is what you've asked of us. God, I'm, I'm obedient. I'm going to give that to you. I'm going to honor you with it. And he tells us this in Malachi 3 and 10. You all know this scripture. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. He says, and try me now in this. Test me, he says, says the Lord of hosts. And if you'll try me, if you'll take the test here, he said, I will open the windows of heaven and I will pour out such a blessing that there's not room enough to receive it. Hallelujah. The blessing may not come uh, in, in, in dollars or euro. The blessings that he gives is going to be better. You may need something more than dollars. You may need something better than euro. Come on now. But the blessing, he says, is going to overtake you and there will not be room enough for you to receive it. He blesses a generous heart. But we must give with a cheerful heart. That's why I love you guys when, when Pastor Rodica says it's timeless. Uh, worship the Lord with our tithes and offerings. You all just clap. And I pray that it's not become just a routine cultural thing that we do at Christian Embassy because the very heart of that is that we are cheerful givers, that this is our act of worship, that we're honoring God with the tithe and the offering and He's a good, good God and He's so deserving of so much more and He's asked so much, so little of us and we know that He's going to take it multiplied and advance His kingdom in great ways and, and we know that He's going to take care of us. We don't have to worry about tomorrow, praise God. So, as God blesses a cheerful giver, you must also understand that God cannot bless a stingy, self-centered, idolatrous heart. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he or she purposes in his heart. It's an act of worship. It's not 
to get a check mark on God's little uh, spreadsheet to say, yep, good boy, good girl, uh, you know. It's, it's an act of worship. For God loves a cheerful giver. So do not give grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always having all sufficiency in all things. That means every area of your life is going to be taken care of. There will be an abundance for every good work. Praise God. So here's your next step as we go forward tonight. If you have not been giving, I encourage you to start giving as an act of worship. Give God something to work with that's connected to you. And if you've been giving, I'm going to encourage you to step it up. Step it up. Challenge yourself to give more to the work of God. Because God is so good to you. Right? Challenge yourself to sign up for the tithe challenge that you're going to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse of God. And if you're already a tither, then step it up to become an extravagant giver. The Bible talks about an extravagant giver, that God writes about them in the Bible and how he received their extravagance of uh, memorial, as, as memorial worship. He says an extravagant giver, he says that comes up before me as, as, as a memorial. He says I, I, that I don't forget. I just can't forget that, God says. It just stands in the front of my memory. Wow. The God who gives us our breath to breathe, our mind to think and our body to work, Strength to produce and opportunities to employ. And he does it so that we can participate in the building up of his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. See, eternity is altered when you give. Man, I could go through the, the countries. We've got missionaries and I could go through stories and, and, and let you. Man, it, this, it's just phenomenal. We'll only, our minds in heaven will only be able to comprehend Everything that was done for God's glory and the advancement of his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven when we get there. So, so your giving does just this. Eternity is altered when you give. So go ahead and rate yourself. Okay, remember we're on this test. Go ahead and rate yourself. One to ten. Am I faithfully stretching myself to give the tithe and beyond? And uh, remember that answer between you and the Lord. And then we're going to wrap it up with this final pop quiz test question. And that is number five, sharing your faith. Five steps to spiritual maturity is sharing your faith. So I'm asking you, are you engaged in sharing your faith with those who are not Christians? Now, come on, think about it. If you learn about a great new restaurant in your neighborhood, you tell everybody about it, right? And the same is true about your faith. If you've experienced something with God that has changed your life for good, you need to tell people about it. You say, well, I don't know theology. and I, you, I'm telling, all you got to do is tell your testimony. Tell what you've testified. Testify to what you've seen, to what you've experienced. And that leads them to want to know more about your faith. And that leads them to want to follow you to the church that you go to. So we should invite our friends and our relatives and our associates and our neighbors to church and, 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 and let them come and help us close out 2017 in a better place with God. Yeah. There's people that have wandered away from the Lord and they found that that's a hard way. The path of the sinner is hard, the Bible says. The path outside of God's plan and will for your life is hard. You might know what I'm talking about. 
And there are those friends and there's neighbors and there's people out there, they're struggling and they, they're off kilter with God and they don't know. They don't know the answer. They don't know where their hope is. They don't know where they can get the joy back. They don't know where they can get this anxiety lifted off of them. And here you are, and you're experiencing God lifting the anxiety off you, and you're experiencing the joy of the Lord, which becomes your strength, and you won't even tell them? You could be the very person that helps rescue them as they're drowning at sea or they're perishing out in the highways and the byways. Colossians 4 and 5 says, walk in wisdom towards those who are outside. Walk in wisdom to those who are outside, redeeming the time. Hope Sister Diamond don't mind me using her award-winning photo that she took and entered into our Fine Arts Festival and won. That, I mean Emerald, sorry about that. Emerald, Diamond's an artist too, but Emerald. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. So ask yourself, am I using every opportunity that, that God gives me to make a difference among those who maybe are not serving Christ or maybe who have lost their way? Not to judge them, to help them, not to, to, to laugh at them, but to, to grieve with them and help bring them back into the fellowship of the Lord Jesus Christ. So how can I challenge you here? Well, there's tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands here in Hampton Roads who are not Christians. So I'm going to challenge you to connect number two, which was your prayer time, with this here in sharing your testimony. So in your daily prayer time, as you're starting your day, and you're thinking in the presence of God, and you're meditating, and you're talking to God, I want you to ask God this. Every day. God, how can I let your light shine through me brighter today so that I can help show someone the way out of darkness? Lord, I, I don't even know how. I want you, with your, your creative, because you're a creative God, I want you to help me make the divine connections. Help me to shine brighter today that I can help lead others out of the darkness that they're in. And then make, make it your next step that you're going to start sharing your faith with at least every, uh, one person a day. Commit, make a, a challenge to yourself that before the sun goes down or it becomes midnight, I'm going to share my testimony or I'm going to share the love of God or I'm going to just share the blessing of God with one person every day. See, if you don't make that commitment, guess what? You won't do it. But when you make that commitment and you challenge yourself, then everything in you and the Spirit of God in you helps you rise up to start sharing with at least one person a day. And, and, and as you go, just say, Lord, help me to sh share enough, uh, maybe a smile with people and a kind disposition that will make them want to know, how in the world are you going around with all that you got going on with a smile on your face? How is it with all the folks that are, are, are bombasting, coming against you? Here you are, you're still with the kindness that you have. Wow. Say, Lord, help me live creatively, creatively in ways that will draw, be a witness, be a shining light to at least one person every day. So go ahead and rate yourself. How am I doing? How am I doing? How am I walking in the joy of the Lord? Am I walking with a smile on my face? I'm walking with kindness. Am I sharing the love of God? Am I sharing what God has done for me with at least one person? Go ahead and rate yourself. 
and then go ahead and uh, challenge yourself to go to at least one person, if you will. Okay, that brings us to the end of our pop quiz. How are you doing? Turn in your papers. We want to, nope, that's right. That's between you and the Lord. And, uh, and I just pray that we'll see these five steps of spiritual maturity as uh, things that we need to work on in our lives with our Bible study and our prayer and our corporate worship and our generous giving and sharing of our faith and that we'll be committed to, to grow even to the next level of maturity in and through these. And if you're going to be a disciple, it takes discipline. That's why it's called a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the reason he said it, because it takes discipline. And Paul tells us in 1 Timothy 4 and 7 and 8, exercise yourselves towards what? Godliness. Exercise yourselves towards godliness. Exercise comes from a Greek word, gymnos, which we get our word gymnasium from. So he's talking about sweat. Take some sweat and get your heart rate up. Work on it. Work towards godliness. Bodily exercise profits little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and that which is to come. So if we will discipline ourselves and become the disciple mature in the Lord Jesus Christ, he said it will benefit us not only in this life, but in the life to come. So I say, let us decide today that we're going to grow up and develop these habits of spiritual maturity in our life. And everybody said, amen. amen. And amen. Would you stand with me, please? Hallelujah. Father, we just bow our heads before you. And Lord, we've said it so many times in this message, and we, we could say it a million times more, and still just scratch the surface, that you're such a good, good God. You are so awesome. And Lord, every time we've ever veered away from you, we found pain and we found heartache. We found loneliness and we found separation. And we found things started unraveling, falling apart. And it's like that devil with all of his killing and stealing and destruction just seems to be rampant in our lives. Anxiety weighs on us. And Lord, forgive us tonight, God, for the many times that we've turned to other things to try and to numb the pain. And Lord, that we've turned to other people to try and fix it, but Lord, it only made it worse. Here we are tonight, God. We're not here by accident. And Lord, we know the anxiety that this world brings. We know the weight and the pain and the heaviness of it. And how it drives us down and it beats us down and, and, and causes us such a lifeless life. But Lord, you said each and every one of us that would turn to you, that we would draw back to you, that we'd come running home to you, that we would come and embrace you, Lord God, that, that you're going to lift those burdens. You're going to lift things, remove those anxieties. And like the prodigal son, you're going to kill the fatted calf and you're going to throw a party and you're going to put your robe on us and you're going to put the ring on our finger and the sandals on our feet and, and you run to us and embrace us. Lord, you don't want us living out there eating with the swine. You don't want us living out there carrying our rebellion and carrying the results of our rebellion with us, Lord. You want to lift it. You want to heal us. You want to forgive us. And you want to turn things right for us as we turn to you. 
Lord, I pray tonight if there's anybody here under the sound of my voice, God, that maybe has turned to the left or the right or, or stumbled in their walk with you and, and begin to trust in the strength of their own arm or trust in the wisdom of their own mind or follow the, the counsel of others outside of your counsel, Lord God. And it's gotten us off track, but we want to get back on track tonight. Lord God, as we pray before you, Lord, I just ask that those individuals would just come on up here so that we could embrace them, Lord God, and we can cover them with prayer. And Lord God, that we can come alongside and we can, we can stand strong with our brothers and sisters, Lord God, as, as they come to embrace you. No longer walking off track. No longer typing off of home row key and seem like everything's coming out jumbled up in our life. Lord, we're getting back on track tonight. We're coming back to you. We're returning to you, Lord God. And Lord, we're bringing ourselves, we're bringing our, our family, we're bringing our friends, we're bringing our commitments, we're bringing our talents, we're bringing the calling that you have on our life. Everything that we're related to, Lord God, comes with us. And as far as we're concerned, we're yielding it to you. We're committing it to you. That's you tonight, and you want to get yourself back on track. And you want to say, Lord, I, I've been sloppy. I, I, I've been misguided. I've been, I've been distracted, Lord God. But I no longer, I want to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to use my gifts and talents and the anointings that you've given me, God, to, to advance your kingdom here on earth. Lord, I'm here. I'm yours. You can count on me. Just step out. Come to this altar. I want to just have a closing prayer with you. Just step out and come here tonight and say, God, you can count on me. Lord, I know it looks like you couldn't count on me. And I know, Lord God, that I've disappointed you. But Lord, no more. I am coming to you and I am driving the stake down tonight. And I want you to count on me, Lord God. I want to be your son, your daughter. I want to be a servant. I want to live for you. I want to be a disciple, Lord. I want to leave my fish and leave the nets and leave the boats and follow you. Jesus, I hear you say, come follow me. And I'm ready to just drop it and follow you. I'm not going to let that take priority over my following you. So here I come. Is there anyone? Hallelujah. Lord God, I thank you that you accepted this commitment from a 17-year-old boy. Many, many years ago, Lord God, as I knelt at that altar. And Lord, what you promised then, that you would never leave me and you'd never forsake me and that there would be no shadow of turning with you and that you would be there to strengthen me and guide me and give me wisdom and, and lead me into the abundance of that which your blessings would afford. Lord God, you have done it beyond my imagination. You've done it beyond anything I could have ever dreamed and you've done it beyond anything I ever read about. And I say tonight, thank you, God. Thank you that you met that 17-year-old rebel at that altar on that night in Earl, South Carolina. And Lord, you've never left me. Lord, I thank you tonight as we stand here in your presence in preparation to move forward into this, the remainder of this year. Lord God, that each and every one under the sound of my voice can make the same commitment because you're the same God. There's no you're no respecter of persons. And you want to do in them and for them and through them exactly what you're doing for all of your sons and daughters. So I pray tonight a commitment, not from our head, but a commitment from our heart. That Lord God, I'm in covenant with you 
I want to serve you. I want to learn of you. I want to grow deeper and deeper. And I want you to take me higher and higher as a committed disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. If that's your prayer, say amen.